Hello, I'm Ron Harrigan, and this is a Fulcrum Strategies Healthcare Update. Whenever a country faces a crisis, the people of that nation look to their leaders, local, state, and federal, for assistance. Throughout our history, we've dealt with a number of crisis situations, ranging from war to national disasters, and now a global pandemic. During this crisis, we once again look to our elected leaders for help. On March 18th, the President signed into law the Families First Act, which provided enhanced benefits for those people who lost their jobs due to this virus. Less than 10 days later, on March 27th, the President signed the unprecedented $2 trillion CARES Act in order to help individuals, small businesses, and other segments of the economy who are being impacted by the coronavirus. Both of these bills were greatly needed. And as we learn more about the depth and breadth of this crisis, we understand that further action by our government is likely, and it's likely to be needed very quickly. While many segments of the economy are being significantly impacted, there is one critical segment that's not being discussed or addressed. Another segment is likely to profit significantly due to this pandemic. Our elected leaders have an opportunity to utilize an unexpected windfall from one industry to provide relief and support to individuals, small businesses, and most importantly, the frontline healthcare professionals that we are counting on so much during this time of need. Let me explain. When this virus started, physicians and hospitals across the country did what they always do in a crisis. They began planning. They began planning for the impact of this virus in a wide variety of ways. Now, we've all gotten an incredible education on ICU bed day capacity and ventilators at this point, but what most of us don't fully understand is all the other ways our healthcare professionals have quickly adjusted to keep us well and reduce the threat of spreading the virus. Very quickly, physicians across the country in almost every specialty began using telehealth visits to care for their patients. This act of clinical social distancing allows them to provide care in many situations while reducing the risk of virus transmission to patients and staff. Across the country, hospitals started canceling and delaying elective procedures to both create more capacity in their facilities while also reducing the possible risk of transmission and threat to the other patients. These actions are necessary and beneficial to both patients with COVID-19 and all the other patients whose treatment could not be put on hold. Let's keep in mind that not only are we dealing with COVID-19 right now, but we still have to care for patients with cancer, MS, heart disease, and all the other conditions that can't be ignored while we fight this pandemic. The patients with these comorbid conditions are the ones most at risk from the coronavirus, and these measures are designed to protect them as much as possible and literally save lives. Unfortunately, these actions also have a negative financial impact on the very professionals that put them in place. Simply put, once again, our nation's physicians have put their patients first. While we all understand the value of these actions, what is not obvious are the economic impacts these changes are having on physicians, our healthcare delivery system, and the insurance companies in this country. When these capacity increasing and transmission reducing measures were put into place, it significantly reduced the revenue flow in almost every physician group across the country. Doctors, like so many other industries, saw their revenues reduced dramatically, without warning, and almost overnight. The difference between a medical practice and another business 
is that the physician can't just shut down and send everybody home. They have to stay open for the cases of emergent need and for all the distance care they're providing for their patients. So you see, they still have to be open, therefore continuing to incur most of their operating costs, but without the necessary revenue to fund those operations. As if that wasn't bad enough, they know that the patients that still need care and can't be handled through telehealth have to be seen, even when doing so puts the physicians and their staff at personal risk of contracting the virus. You see, social distancing and shelter in place are simply not an option for these dedicated healthcare professionals. The other side of this coin are the insurance companies. Now, keep in mind that what a physician calls revenue, an insurance company calls expense. Every claim filed by a physician ends up being paid by an insurance company. So, if physicians are experiencing a significant reduction in revenue, well, that means insurance companies are experiencing an equally significant reduction in expenses. Those insurance companies are still collecting premiums for that insurance, they just aren't paying out any claims. Through no fault of anyone, clear economic winners and losers have emerged. This creates an opportunity to match these two situations in such a way that it helps and supports not only the people caught in this crisis who have lost their jobs, but also the hardworking physicians who are on the front line of fighting this virus. A great deal of good could be done with three simple legislative actions. The good news is that these actions wouldn't cost the federal government anything, which would allow them to focus their resources on other segments of the economy in need. The first action would be to make changes to the current rules for COBRA coverage. Currently, individuals that lose their jobs qualify to purchase COBRA coverage and continue on their employer's plan. The current program allows the individual to continue their coverage at the same cost their employer pays, plus a 2% administrative fee, and they can do so for 18 months. This is advantageous to the individual because they keep their same coverage, they keep their same doctor. And in addition to that, if the individual has paid part or all of their current deductible or maximum out-of-pocket expense, those amounts carry over into the COBRA coverage. In this age of high deductibles, this could be a major benefit. The problem is that most individuals who have just lost their jobs can't afford to pay for this coverage. My proposal is this. The government should do two things. First, given the known reduction in claims payment by the insurance companies, the cost for this coverage should be reduced. The government should require that individuals that elect COBRA coverage be allowed to do so at 75% of the current employer premium amount. This would still allow carriers plenty of money to pay claims. Remember that for most insurance companies, between 15 and 20% of the premium is dedicated to administrative costs and profits. These members will have little to no administrative costs for these insurance companies. These costs include things like sales, marketing, corporate overhead, which are largely fixed expenses. In addition, the insurance companies should not be making profit on these members right now. The second thing the government should do is allow the ACA or the Affordable Care Act subsidies to be applied to these COBRA elections so that individuals wouldn't be forced to change plans, which possibly could force them to change doctors and would definitely have their deductibles reset during this time of crisis. This action wouldn't cost the government any additional resources, but it would help the individuals impacted by this event. 
The second thing the government could do is put a moratorium on any planned terminations of either group or individual policies for non-payment for the next 90 days. Much like policies that some cities have implemented that put a moratorium on evictions for failure to pay rent or mortgages, this would be a way to protect individuals and small businesses. There are many individuals and small businesses right now that will be facing a cash crunch. Hopefully that cash crunch will be short term. Those individuals and small businesses shouldn't lose their insurance coverage during this time of crisis, especially when we know that the companies collecting those premiums are going to be flush with cash. This action would actually save precious government resources by keeping more people in their current insurance plans rather than switching them to Medicaid or an Affordable Care Act plan which is paid for or subsidized by state and federal resources. If this is done, it's critically important not to allow the health plans to suspend paying those claims. They should be required to pay all claims within 30 days. If we don't do this, it will only transfer this cost to the hardworking providers when they can least afford it. Think about a cancer patient in this scenario. That oncologist has to buy that chemotherapy agent at a significant cost. If the insurance company suspends that claim, it only makes that doctor's cash problem even worse. Let's face it, insurance companies have huge reserves. They're set up to handle these kind of situations. That's the essence of insurance. They should not be allowed to transfer their financial responsibilities to the doctors who are on the front lines of fighting this battle. The final thing the government could do would be to set up a special business continuation fund for independent physician groups. Now, we all know about the $350 billion in small business loans that was set up under the CARES Act. We also know that the demand for that money will greatly exceed the supply of money available. What we have here is an opportunity to create a specific fund for physicians, which will pull them out of the demand pool. We also have an opportunity to fund these loans with cash currently being held by insurance companies and the significant cash that they're going to accumulate during this crisis. My proposal would be this. We require each insurance company to contribute, proportionally based on their size, into this fund. Nonprofit companies like many of the individual Blue Cross Blue Shield plans must also be made to contribute. The amount of contribution would be calculated based on an actuarial estimation of the reduction in claims that they were likely to face for the next 90 days and by drawing on 50% of their state mandated reserve requirements. This could produce a fund with as much as $200 billion in it. All right, let me calculate that for you, and I'll take my home state of North Carolina as an example. Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina currently has around $3 billion in reserves. They pay out over $500 million each month in a typical month in claims. If we required them to draw down 50% of their reserve, and we assume that for the next 90 days, their claims expense are going to be reduced by 25%, that would mean that Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina would contribute $2 billion into this fund. Now, if we assume that all of the other insurance carriers, United, Aetna, Cigna, etc., combined in North Carolina make up about the same size as Blue Cross Blue Shield, well, that's another $2 billion into this fund just from the state of North Carolina. If North Carolina is an average state, then by this rough math, the total amount of this fund for all 50 states could reach as much as $200 billion. This fund would be used much like the small business loans, but it would be exclusively for independent physician practices. When these practices paid back the loans to the government, 
the government would return that money to the payers. Doing these three simple things would benefit Americans whose employment and insurance coverage has been disrupted, as well as the hardworking physicians that are doing an incredible job saving lives and keeping us well. These actions would free up scarce resources so the government could use those for other impacted industries and individuals. And it would do so simply by using excess resources from the insurance companies where they are needed the most. I've seen and heard a lot of insurance company executives say that we're all in this together. You know what, right now I don't think that's true. You see, they're safe at home drawing a full paycheck while hardworking doctors are putting their personal safety at risk and in many cases not getting paid while they do that and try to keep their nurses and staff employed. It's about time the insurance companies got in this game and truly joined the fight. It's time to get after it. Thank you very much. And as always, please be safe and be well.